tea time, everybody. Brian Pierce here. I really, wow, I can't even tell you what's been going on this evening. For about 45 minutes, I have been plugging cables, unplugging cables, just standing up, jumping it upside down, turning around, spinning. I put a hat on because I'm freaked out. Got my fly racing shirt. I've been trying to get episode 63 off the ground for at least 45 minutes now. Jason Hooper is our guest this evening. He has been phenomenally uh, patient and uh, up to the task of following the election and letting me know while things were going on. Uh, I, I do blame my wife, but just in the sense that she would unplug cables and not tell me that she did that. That's not her fault. That's just what she does. And, of course, I don't <laughs> check that they're plugged back in. So that's what happened to a degree. Mr. Jason Hooper, I would like to know, how your evening is going, kind sir? It's going pretty well, man. Just hanging out, um, watching lots of waiting for me to get my shit together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haven't spent enough time in front of the computer today, so it's all good. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take that as sarcasm. Good, good one. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Well, let's just jump right to this shit then. Okay, so. I think I haven't spent as much, enough time on the internet after this weekend. It was so shaky that I had to try to come up with something that was better. Apparently, I brought all my GNCC bugs from the webcast this past weekend home with me. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it, was, it was not what we had planned in the sense of the signal. I mean, lots to learn, lots to figure out, all that kinds of stuff. But, you know, we did have the wrap-up, and I kind of wanted to see if you would possibly want to do a little bit of a recap with me on this season. Now, I have some slight notes. By no means do I have anything that is a novel, but a couple things from each round that kind of stuck out in my head when I was going back through some things. I didn't know okay. what you would think about that. Sure. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. All right, I'm going to keep the camera on you while I kind of go through some of this stuff. So, okay, that's scary. That's because you look good. You, you look good. All right, so, okay. I would love to just be like, oh my gosh, these guys won. Amazing racing this weekend, I thought, at the GNCC. It, I mean, it's it's always cool. To, I think I'm so excited because of the fact that it's, it's I'm not always at the races. I'm not at every GNCC. You know, you were at 13 GNCCs with ISDE, the, tech, you know, the TKO, all kinds of other races. So, you know, when it's unimpressive racing, I have a feeling that it sticks out more in your mind um, than it does in mine. But being at the race, it was really exciting. One of the things, though, if we kind of go back to the beginning, we kind of didn't even think from Florida down at River Ranch that Russell was actually going to even be a contender. We thought so before the race, but after the race with his shoulder injury that he had during the race and then the way that Mullins and Wibley actually kind of went you know, down to the last line, it looked like, you know, after round one, I was like, where's Russell going to be? It's going to be between Mullins and Wibley, the two past champions. I mean, did you, what, what kind of stuck out from your mind in Florida? Oh, in Florida, for sure, you know, Caleb getting hurt was a big thing. But the other big thing was Wibley and Charlie went down to the wire. And literally, they both collapsed when they crossed the finish line. And we've seen that happen before where the guys that, you know, win in Florida or, you know, really ex overly exert themselves in Florida – end up struggling the following, you know, the following weekend in, in Georgia because, you know, we race on Tuesday and oh, then just right, come yeah. right back that following Sunday. So that short turnaround is tough and, you know, the sand whoops really take it out of the guys. So I'd say, you know, if any round for Caleb to have gotten hurt, that was probably the best one because while, yeah, he was, he was battered and bruised going into Georgia, but Wibley and Charlie weren't anywhere near 100%. You know, they, they were having to get IVs and stuff after the race. So <laughs> in a way, you know, the way that worked out for Caleb, you know, was sort of fortunate because 
he ended up not as dehydrated. He didn't have blisters on his hands. He obviously had a separated shoulder. Yeah. But uh, then, you know, yeah, to that point, it could have been a lot worse, yeah, right? You know, so I point, think so. when when you look back on it, yeah, he he got pretty lucky, you know, for the championship that it uh that it turned out that way. And obviously, when we go to Georgia, he proved that. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely one of the things that I thought was really neat was the fact that he came back so strong in uh, in Georgia and came away with such a, uh, I guess, you know, dominating win. And then another thing that I took back when I was looking through some things was that Aaron Plessinger came away with the overall amateur. And the reason the reason why that kind of stood out is just because of the fact that he got the overall amateur here, and I know that he was in the top multiple other times for that. And then he cut when his in his first XC two race, you know, later in the year comes out and gets second on the podium and so that's why it kind of stood out for me you know for for round two there uh at the general if you will but uh yeah i mean yeah. was there any other kind of big things there at that round two in georgia that stood out for you in georgia yeah oh man you're really starting to you're testing tested my memories well i mean i think those those top three guys really separated themselves again and proved that they were gonna you know at that point they were gonna be the three main guys you know caleb ended up coming back for the win but you know Charlie and uh, and Wibley, you know, rounding out the podium, you know, I think they kind of proved that they were going to be the three guys at that point that were going to be in it for the for the championship. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, Steel Creek, I thought the fact that that was the one where it looked like the closest going through stuff that Stuart Baylor was going to try to come away with overall you know, the overall win on adjusted time, um, and he, he he had it at one point but then wound up coming in second overall. Um, do you know, Hoop, if that was the best he did throughout the season or if he actually uh, at one point was able to do that again? I, I can't remember. I think he, that might have been the closest that he got, but uh, the closest anyone got all year actually ended up being Andrew DeLong. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, man, now you're going to make me look like an idiot because I can't remember hey, all this no, stuff, no, no, what no. race it was, but it was, pro- the internet. was either Kentucky or Indiana. Um. I'm trying. I have to look on the internet and see. Yeah, Indiana, the Limestone 100. He was, yeah, that was when uh, he got 14 his, seconds. Yeah, that was when he got his first. The long, 14 seconds away. So yeah, it was kind of funny because you know before the season, all the hype was about Baylor being the first one to possibly get that overall win from the second row, and I'm pretty sure that the long ended up being the guy that came the closest. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because I definitely think that DeLong, with the way that Baylor won last year and the fact that he was kind of, he dominated for a little bit, got hurt, and then kind of disappeared. But when he was dominating, he was going at it. And the fact that Andrew DeLong was out for two races, not many people really expected him to come back and be as dominant as he was. And he came back and just freaking railed all season. I mean, yeah, I mean, because he got pretty hurt, you know, punctured a lung and all that, you know, broken collarbone and stuff. Like right. he was pretty, he was pretty well jacked up, and you know, he wanted to race Florida and Georgia at least, just go out and score points. And I bet he's ready to strangle Fred Andrews now, because if he would have rode around in tenth place at both of those races, he would have himself a championship this year. But sometimes it's not worth risking it, you know. He's still a young kid, and he's got plenty of chances out there, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's gonna be gunning for it next year. Yeah. Um... It's uh, speaking of Fred Andrews. One of the things that I noticed from Big Buck was, you know, that was the race back where uh, Thomas came back from his split. He was on the privateer KR4, uh, you know, KTM, and uh, he did it pretty good. He came back third place in the XE2 class. So 
And obviously now he's got the championship in the XC2 class, but I mean he was on the KTM two-stroke, went to the uh, you know to the Husky, kind of did his thing there, left, and came back. I just I, I don't know, it was all over the place. But obviously the guy could freaking ride it. He, he didn't seem to take as much time to change as everybody thought he would. Well, I mean, I, a lot of people didn't realize it, but a couple years ago when he was ra- when he was racing for Freddie on Yamahas, he was racing in Canada on KTMs. So he was racing GNCCs one weekend on a Yamaha and then going up to Canada and racing one of their championships up there for like KTM of Canada. So it's not the first time that he's uh he's been he's switched brands like that. So, you know, obviously it 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 didn't uh it didn't hurt him too bad and uh, no offense to the rest of the guys in XC2, but you know, DeLong, Baylor, Thomas are uh a good bit faster than the majority of the guys in that class. And so, you know, he got third at that race at the Big Buck. He wasn't really in it at all for the for the race win or anything like that, but he could still manage a podium because I you know, he's just a better rider than a lot of the guys in that class. So Yeah. Huh. That's interesting to hear you say that kind of stuff. It uh I like getting your perspective because you kind of really do know you've been around it for so long, you're at it all the races and things like that. So it's kinda of interesting. I had no idea that he you know, was switching brands so much. I guess that his deal then when he was with Yamaha was only like for the States. So him going to Canada and racing a different brand was not like a breach of contract. Yeah. And I don't think I, I, I might be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure at that point, the, uh, the FAR team wasn't really factory Yamaha. Uh, they were okay. like from the Andrew cycles in Ohio. So I think they were just kind of riding Yamahas. So, you know, yeah, it was just a North America deal or just a GNCC deal. I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure. I just know that he was up there doing that, right. and it wasn't a problem. So hey, hey, man. Well, that's good for him. Um, I think moving forward, round two, one of the highlights I wrote down was Mammoth. I thought that was awesome that Rory Mead got his first XC1 win, and then as well, he did it on a two-stroke. And looking through the notes that I had, it looked like uh, Nate Canny was the last one to do an XC1 or the last one who had an XC1 win. On a two-stroke was the Iron Man. 2008, right? Yeah, the Iron yeah. Man. Yeah, and Iron Man is typically the last race, right? Last year we had the Red right. last, and yeah, it, have... it's for all the years that I had been going, it was the last race until last year, which we had it got all screwed up with the uh, with the rain delays, right. with the flooding and all that stuff. So, well, then, do you like? The Loretta Lynn's being last. Do you think that this is a changing of the guard? I've enjoyed it, but as I've said, you know, I have not been a, a large attender of the GNCCs. The two Loretta Lynn's have been my only GNCC. So am I totally missing out because of the fact that I haven't been to Ironman, or do you think this is kind of a changing yeah. of the guard? Yeah, it's hard to compare, man. The Ironman is, is a race all on its own. It, the, the crowd there is insane, you know. The last three years, they've had over ten thousand people through the That's gate, which is just insane. The and track's that, pretty cool, and it, it just becomes a, a like riders and spectators. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, they'll have like a couple thousand riders, but like ten thousand people have paid entry. So there's probably somewhere around eight thousand spec people that aren't racing. Right. That is awesome. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty insane. So uh, I think you know. I'm not too old school, but I, I some traditions are kind of nice, and I think maybe more or less not just the location, but racing in November is kind of weird. You know, it's it's always been you know kind of associated with the end of October is when the GNCC season is over, and after being on the grind for for the whole season, 
you kind of think that last weekend in November or the next last weekend in November is it, and then you kind of get a load back up for one more. So <laughs> right, you don't, you don't want to start different. your uh, you don't want to start your holidays at Thanksgiving. You'd like to have all of November off. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad, man. No, no, I totally i I completely understand what you're saying, and you know it's it's thinking back to when I was in college, and you're like, oh, I get a three month break, you know, now that I quote unquote have a full time job and all that stuff. It's like. Damn it! I just I just want like a month off somewhere. That would be awesome. <laughs> but uh, one of the things like moving forward, I I was uh, took a couple notes too, like on round six. Sorry, I'm not looking directly at the camera. I'm trying to read notes. I'm not gonna lie. As who knows, I do not have the best memory, so that happens. Correct. But uh, yeah, no. Um, so the limestone was a new venue, um, and that's right. the one where we saw uh. Chris Bach come back from his split. He was on the Yamaha, so he had just split with Beta. And then that was the one where DeLong got his first XC2 win of this season. Um, Of the season. So, you know, for being a new venue, it seemed like there was a lot going on right there. Now, uh, with Chris Bach and the split with Beta, all that stuff went down. Honestly, I don't know too much about it. It sounds like he was looking for more help than he was getting, cost too much money, whatever it was. Wound up on the Obermeyer Yamaha with a little bit of help from JGR or modifications from jgr do you know if that is going to carry through um is that a 2013 thing or i have absolutely no idea uh, honestly i have no idea i saw today that chris was uh selling his yamahas he had them listed on uh, facebook I, and he I said he didn't know what he was riding and wouldn't know uh yeah. wouldn't know and wouldn't be able to buy anything unless he sold those bikes so yeah i, I honestly don't know i mean there's not a whole lot going on right now in the in the industry so uh, if he's getting any sort of help from those guys, I'd be surprised. If it's real help, I'd be surprised to see him on something different next year because there's nowhere to go, really. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I don't know if I feel – sometimes I feel like I don't know if I want to stay on point, Jason Hooper, or if we should just delve into anything that comes to my mind. And one of the things that comes to my hey, mind – you're the boss. Hey, I'm a horrible boss, apparently. Okay, so – Kind of talking about you know what he would be on next year. I don't know if it's beating a dead horse or anything like that, but we just have to kind of wonder, and I think it's guys like you and me, that if we could come up with a great idea together or we could pull another guest and we could come up with a way for people to, you know, I guess create these more underground teams that can be more privateer status, but then find a way to bring in outside you know sponsors to help these guys out and get a little bit of money at it, that we can maybe kind of create something different for our off-road sport like some of the online or for some of the you know motocross guys have done i've heard rumors of some kind of green team um and, and it's it sounds like it's a, a a small kind of you know privateer deal and i that's about it that's all i heard that's all i you know. say dream team no, green like kawasaki you got you got so you know something I don't know because I haven't heard anything about yeah, that. So, uh, the last I heard from someone inside was that Cowie's not giving anybody bikes and parts next year. So I, I somebody if they're doing it, they're getting it through a dealer or they're yeah. Fine. And, and that's the thing. But, no, no, no. And, and when I say what I like, again, you know, there's little birdies that fly around all over the place, and sometimes they fall on your windowsill and they give you a little snippet of information, and that's about all you get. So you have what you have to work with. <laughs> And, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's kind of interesting. And, and and I agree. I think that, you know, with what we've heard about Kawasaki pulling out of the off-road industry uh, or just dropping their team in general, this is not a, you know, a different kind of 
step for them, this is something that it sounds like you're right, that it's probably some form of shop that is obviously a Cowie dealer um, that's coming in to step that up. I mean, do you think that that's where more teams should look? Do you think that they should oppose the try to get factory sponsorship, that they should you know, try to build up from you know a shop level first and then kind of go forward? Well, I don't think they have much choice, you know, because Suzuki's not going to help. Kawasaki's not going to help. KTM's already overexerting themselves. So unless you're getting, you know, you're already on the KTM team, more than likely you're not going to get any sort of real, sort of real support from them. But uh, um, I actually just got a text message about something. So maybe there is something, some sort of true rumor to the Cowie thing, and I'm on the on the outside, but the what I've heard is that there isn't. Let's but. see if I just got something and got in trouble. Nope. Okay. That was a tweet from uh, Dale Dale Spangler saying that we suck and that I need to treat him more like my wife and move faster. But, uh... So that's dirty. Yeah, man. I mean, so, the, yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of options, you know? I think you kind of got to do that. But we're, you know, I've seen this a lot, you know, guys trying to find outside sponsors and even sort of inside the industry, you know, sort of inside in the industry sponsors, you know, the endemic sponsors. And they and they're people are struggling to get money for off road because it's just not as big and it's hard to justify the dollars. Obviously they're not they're not as big of an investment required to go off road racing as there is motocross or supercross, but the audience is smaller too and then you know, we've seen I've seen some people try and get, you know, some auto industry sponsors and some, you know, camping sponsors and stuff like that like and they're just not interested it's a it's a i'm not that smart i don't know uh i don't know all that marketing stuff so i don't know it's all about impressions and stuff like that but i think you know for a company you know a, a million or billion dollar company or something to spend a hundred grand on gncc almost isn't worth the time for them to have somebody manage that <laughs> right I mean, whereas they can you know so that's the that's where it, that's at least what I'm heard. So. All right. Well, I mean, it, it, it kind of almost seems like it would make sense if more, because say like motocross and supercross, they're so, I guess, mainstream now. I mean, I hate to totally use that term, but honestly they are. I mean, they're, you know, on all the big channels and stuff like that. So if they're mainstream and they're factory backed, you know, because of the fact that we're a little bit more local and a little bit more, you know, I guess under the radar of those kind of things, it would make sense for, excuse me, for shops to want to kind of support because that way it, it, it's more, you know, that's where their, you know, ROI is, their return on investment. It's going to be with the local racers and things like that where motocross and supercross, they're just hoping that Honda in general, you know, creates more of a, you know, Honda, KTM, whoever creates more of a buzz and then they go to all their shops where, you know, maybe the guys that are in GNCC are kind of looking to, you know, work with their shops in general, you know, their right. more regional shops. Right. I don't know. But, uh, so let me see. Let me some other stuff that I thought was note was uh, with uh, John Pinton. We had uh, Josh Strang making a return to racing. I thought that was really neat that he came back. Unadilla obviously after the break. Duval got his first XC1 win. Um, Powerline Park Wibbly crashes. That I think was a big one because you know the fact that everybody was like, "Oh my God, Wibbly's immortal." Yeah, uh, so, and, and but you actually have been run over by Wibbly. I, I have been run over by Wibbly. That is that is a true story. Stitches, right? <laughs> uh, two thousand. It was a long time ago. Two thousand seven at uh at the Steel Creek GNCC. I was run over by Wibbly. 
And for all of you fans that get real close to the sides of the track and don't pay attention, it really, really, really hurts. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you have to get stitches? Did you have to get stitches? Oh, yeah, I got stitches. I don't know if you can see see it. My head's kind of shiny, but there's one uh, right there on my forehead, and I got one on my knee, too. Did you lube up before the show? Because you were, like, glistening. I am a little greasy. <laughs> Shut up. I need, I need, you're supposed to get makeup before you go on camera, right? Like powder you up so you're not a, not not shiny, but yeah, I got like 10 stitches in my leg and like six stitches in my head. So that's pretty awesome, dude. I've never been run over by a Wibbly. So, I mean, you got that up on me. That's good. Nothing. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know if that's something to to brag about or not. Probably not. Okay. So Iron Man. Wibbly running out of fuel. That was pretty epic. I don't. Did, I heard that he possibly might have missed a pit, or that he just decided not to pit. Do you know if there was anything to that, or if that just kind of was? A yeah, pit? I actually I talked a little bit to someone this weekend that would know, and the opinion was he did not miss a pit, but they feel like he didn't get all the fuel needed in one of his pit stops. Right. Okay, so maybe a, a little too a little too NASCAR style, quick wise. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I it's it's tough. You know, there's there's so much going on in those pit stops, and everybody's trying to do them so fast, especially in a in a tight race like that. So, um, you know, pull that quick fill up just a few seconds too late, especially a track like the Ironman where it's so fast. You know, those guys are right. really on the gas. There's a lot of wide open field sections and stuff. So, um, that that that's the that was a story that I heard that he uh, that he because there was nothing wrong with the bike. And he definitely didn't miss a didn't miss a pit stop. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, is if you're at Ironman and you're going really fast, don't pull out too early. <sighs> Something like that. <laughs> That's what I got out of it anyway. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna talk to Kristen and see if I can fix y'all's relationship. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely, kind sir. Okay. So. Uh, you check the tweets because I just saw you look down at your phone and mine blew up at the same time. So I'm going to talk about the, uh, a little bit of my GHC ex- GNCC experience this weekend at Loretta Lynn's while you figure out the tweets and see if we need to talk to anybody. I think it might have been Sir Robbie Rob who's trying to blow up having a good time. Uh, so this past weekend, Loretta Lynn's uh, round 13, which was Paul Wibley's 12th hole shot. I had that wrong, actually, on the webcast. I said 13th, but Jason Hooper in his fly racing post show made me look like an ass because he actually made sure that i remembered that snowshoe does not actually have a whole shot and that's right i appreciate no shot i appreciate that because i'm an idiot so but that's okay so i did the webcast this past weekend with uh you know carrie coombs jen Kenyon, jeremy and all those guys was, uh, carrie bowen i mean there was a bunch of i think it was a uh, jeremy sailor right is that how he pronounced his last name yep all right and uh, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of problems, unfortunately, though, with the feed. We apologize for that. What it was is just we had a pack that was supposed to be sending up all this, you know, all these 3G and 4G signals. We had absolute crap with that. It did not work very well, so we had to go off a satellite. Every time we changed the cameras, it was going down. It was unfortunately not very good. We apologize. We'll have fun. I was talking to some people today, and there might be a chance that you'll unfortunately listen to my voice again next year. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent for you guys. Okay, Paul Wibley came in with the championship. Caleb Russell got taken out. Got, let me let me rephrase that. 
Caleb Russell got into an altercation with Daniel Milner in the first turn. Now, Hoop, um, I made a post on Facebook asking about if anybody saw the footage, anybody has a picture, blah, blah, blah. Josh Strang says that you had footage and to watch your show, and I had watched it, but I watched it again. I didn't see, like, super awesome footage of the altercation. No, this is like the Zapruder film or something, man. And I'm, I'm trying to stay out of it because I, I think people are going to see whatever they want to see in it. But, but uh, you know, I, this, is, this is my explanation. I've watched it a few times and I, you know, slowed it down as much as I could. You know, it was, wasn't shot in slow motion or anything like that. I blew up the corner. Looks like when they come into the first turn, those two, everybody gets bunched up. Right. You know, Caleb was first, well, beat Daniel into the first turn for sure. Milner kind of pinned it that last second. Everybody kind of comes to a stop. Looks like Dino gets kind of hung up on the inside. There's always there's a barrier there yeah. on the inside of the first turn, and gets a little bit whiskey throttle and shoots straight, while Caleb is turning right and boom, kaboom. Yeah, and that's absolutely in that situation, man. That's totally Rubens racing. Like, I mean, that's just unfortunately, you know, what can happen when guys, especially you've got all those guys going. Excuse me for that that whole shot. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. They should have just let Paul Wibley have it, and then everybody go from there, and it would have been probably a lot safer. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those things. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I think I don't. I know there's a lot of people that thought maybe it was intentional, and I I don't think it was intentional. You know, you don't see Daniel looking to his left, looking for Caleb or any sort of thing like that. And I think he was just a little overzealous, a little too much, Adeline, trying to make up for a bad start. All you know, you know, he came all the way here from Australia, and I'm sure the result that he had wasn't a uh, wasn't what he was looking for. You know, that's a that's a long way to go, and uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff. But if they were gonna, if Yamaha was gonna have someone take Caleb out intentionally, why wouldn't they just have Jordan Ashburn do it? They wouldn't have had to pay a couple grand for a flight and waste a dude's time for a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it was just an unfortunate incident, in that if Anybody else had been where Caleb was, they would have gotten cleaned out too. Yep. It was just, it was just one of those things. It, it, it sucks that kind of, you know, kind of put a sour note on on the race, you know, for for a little bit, and it just kind of, if it was, you know, or if it wasn't Milner, if it was any other rider, it would have just been a racing accident. But since he was on the same team as Wibley, that it was a a team intentional tactic, right. or something, you know. Yeah. So. No, I think you're right. I mean, it, it is hard because of the fact you're kind of in the moment. You're you're hoping there's no drama, but at the same time, you're looking for drama because it's a championship race and all that kinds of stuff. But then the problem yeah, is, well, I was looking for like yeah. battle drama or maybe you know Caleb or Paul gets cleaned out in the last turn drama, not like dude gets taken out in the first turn by a teammate. That's boring. Yeah, no, but, and I agree. Nobody you know, I, that. I give Caleb credit for you know for catching up to him and. uh you could tell he was going for it at the beginning of the race. It's unfortunate that it didn't work out. I would have liked to have seen a better battle for the race. I'm sure Paul was pretty happy that it it didn't turn yeah. out to be a bigger battle than it was. But you know, it was kind of it was all so much hype, so much build up, and it just kind of kind of fizzled out about an hour into the race, and it just it was kind of a kind of a snooze fest. But you know, it was a you know, Wibbly Wibbly earned it for sure. You know, dude was super consistent. If he hadn't been penalized at the Ironman, he would have podiumed every single race this year. As he said, twelve hole shots. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty crazy. Damn impressive. You know, Is, do, you, do you think that's the first time serious. that's happened? Is that the first GNCC like straight hole shot? 
What's that? Do you think that that's the sh the first like straight hole shot? Like, I, it has to be. I don't know. It's definitely the first one since since I've been coming. Yeah, I mean that um, seems like a ridiculous stat, but I would think it is too. Like that is the first one, like the first guy to do that. Yeah, it's gotta be, man. It's gotta be. That was uh, that's pretty insane. You know, there's so much, especially with a four stroke. You know, <laughs> that's a solid point. But he probably has like eight different engine maps on that bike. He says there's nothing factory that it's just full on. It's just a vortex ignition that anybody could go out there and buy it. But Whoa. I don't. I can barely get my Suzuki to start in neutral. Anybody could go out and pay for it is different from anybody can go out and buy it. So, yeah. I mean, anybody could pay for it if they could find you know a millionaire to back them and make shit happen. Um, yeah. Another thing that was really crazy was the fact that we saw the XC2 championship, and by no means does this try to take any anything away from anybody, but kind of fizzle out as well. Like because of the fact that I think people were looking for that head-to-head -head battle, they were looking, they, they were so excited, or at least I was, and it sounded like most other people were because we had the XC1 championship coming down with a one-point you know uh, distance. We had the XC2 championship coming down with uh, Thomas and Baylor between each other with one point. I mean, we really wanted to see some racing, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. With Russell getting taken out in the first turn, and apparently Stuart Baylor breaking his collarbone the Thursday before, you know, I, I, the fact that he got a half halfway decent start and rode his way to you know into the, I guess it was like the top six. I really don't remember where he finished, but it was like that's insane. But Jason Thomas, you know, getting finally getting his XC2 championship. Andrew DeLong obviously getting a very well earned. Uh, win at Loretta Lynn's. I mean, we had some good racing. It just, it, I don't think it was the drama people uh, either wanted or expected. And so it kind of, it did. It kind of, it kind of seemed like a snooze fest. You know, in the XC1, it was. But XC2, you know, there was more. No, it was boring. It was, come it on. Was more. It was boring. It was boring. Baylor was like four minutes behind after the first lap. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't blame Jason Thomas. I would have freaking been conservative as hell too there's no sense in going out there and risking it that dude's been trying to win one of these championships forever yeah like you know as soon as i got that pit board first lap like baylor two minutes behind like keep it steady man there's too much there's too many rocks out there too many lappers too many you know, hill climbs and stuff for for stuff to for stuff to go wrong so yeah i mean yeah it was it it, it wasn't what we had we had hoped for but i mean can it's hard to complain too much, right? It was a sick season. For you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of drama coming into it, but at least the at least the championships were still decided that day, and it wasn't. Yeah, that's true. Because if it was all locked up coming into coming into it, it would have been you know it, it would, maybe there would have been different stuff happening in the race, but it's hard to hard to get excited about it. So yeah, it was it is it is what it is, or it was what it was. I don't know. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I guess it's behind us at this point, huh? Okay, well, quickly, because of the fact that I love people that support Seat Time, and I think everybody should support people that support it, flyracing.com. Absolutely amazing supporter of Seat Time. I have what I like to call the cocaine nosebleed, nosebleed shirt on because it's crazy. It's like a party, block party or something. I don't know. It's absolutely insane. Definitely go check it out, flyracing.com. They've got all their 2013 gear out. It's been out for a while. We've looked at it. We want to touch it. We want to wear it. It's freaking sick. I think you should go check it out. Go buy it. You got one of their hoodies on hoop, right? That's right. No, 
No. No? I have a Scott hoodie on. Uh, this guy. That's okay. Scott's good, too. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, they're competing. These guys, they're much better. I'm just going to say it. Go with it. Right, Hoop? Yep. Whatever you say. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to push buttons correctly. I have no idea what's going on. I'm like going... All right. So, we talked a little bit about maybe like a Kawasaki birdie dropping some doo-doo on somebody's head with some knowledge. So, if we were to talk differently about Suzuki stuff that came about yesterday and them filing bankruptcy because... They are going to focus on their motorcycle, marine, and ATV lines and no longer bring their automobile lines into the States. Does anything like that, Hoop, make you think that that means they could actually have an off-road team? Or does that just mean that they're going to then put more, uh, if they bring that into our dirt bike realm, that that means that it's really just going to be more of a supercross and motocross effort? Oh, yeah, I, I think... That'd be way too far rooting into it. I don't know. I mean, from my understanding, what happened at Suzuki, you know, there were some serious management changes, and the, you know, in Japan, and they had no interest in racing. So, you know, that's why things got, you know, all the racing got shipped over to Yosh. So I would be, I would be floored if Suzuki, uh, if Suzuki came back off-road racing in any time in the immediate future. I I just don't see it being on their on their radar. You know, they're not really they're not really doing much. Even like even in motocross and supercross, you know, like it's not really them that's doing stuff. So right, it's the Yosh team with Suzuki factory backing. Right, like the new Carmichael thing. I I don't really know all the details on on that. What uh you know with Carmichael and Kerry Hart with well, I don't I don't know where they're getting their money and all that stuff, but and how involved Suzuki is. But I know like. You know, all those guys that got let go from Suzuki's race team last year got hired by Yosh, and they are already kind of working out of that office. So, yeah, I'd, I would be I would be really surprised if Suzuki, if Suzuki came back. Yeah, it would be awesome to see. I just had to ask. I saw the talk about it and stuff like that. But, um, okay, so another weird thing that I saw on the Internet today, just kind of like news-wise that I wanted to talk to you about and see if it meant anything to you, Kevin Ruckstool, um Obviously, Honda guy kind of did some FMF stuff. I mean, we see him in the Enduro Cross. He's kind of like done, you know, Supercross every now and again, Outdoor Nationals. I mean, him going to Kawasaki. I mean, we see, you know, pictures of him from Motorsport Hillsboro um, with a KX450F and a KX250F, you know, and, and not really much else to go on. Do you think that anything like that is something that we should be looking out for some kind of off-road-wise, or is that just kind of... You know, something that's that he's probably just working on the side and just just what it is. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the one thing you know, I had heard that Cali was going to keep paying their contingency, so and they've had good contingencies, right? Right. So if they keep doing that, I mean, that that would be a reason to to keep riding riding green. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's possible. It's hard to say with him. I I don't really I don't really know Kevin that well. I he rode for uh, Alan Stillwell's KTM team last year. I know Alan fairly well, but like you said, he's a dude that'll race anything. Yeah. You know, motocross or works or whatever. So it's hard to say what, what kind of deals he's lining up. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Okay. Um, because of the fact that I am a Texan and I like to talk about a lot of the stuff that goes on in Texas, I just wanted to mention uh, the Toro 
race that went on this past weekend. I'm not on staff anymore, but at the same time, I like to promote series that go on and have a good time around the Texas area. So round one happened at Rocky Ridge. Cole Kirkpatrick, who came back out of nowhere um, from doing all of his film work lately with Kodiak Productions to get the win. I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, did you did you get to see any of the stuff that was going around the, the web today, uh, Jason, about that? I did not. That's okay. I'm all right. sorry. No. Absolutely not. I'm not gonna. Hold, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you that you suck because you don't pay attention. That's fine. It's whatever. My silence tells you. I don't. I don't, I don't pay attention to a lot. That's <laughs> I was gonna for tell sure. you. My silence tells you that you suck, not my words. Um. Okay. So you had. Um. I don't know if I would call it a task or more of something that you were supposed to come up with, and that would have been either a subject, or some form of story that you wanted to talk about did you have a chance to come up with anything if you didn't it's yeah, okay because I, I have that more. was a hard one and I, I don't really know i have more <laughs> i've been struggling about that so is it is it supposed to be like controversial do you want me to like start some controversy or what do you what do you no, no, no. what do you want this is like this is like hooper's highlight like you can hooper's highlight. you can do whatever the yeah, you could yeah i'll talk about something i'll say it you could do whatever the fuck you want I can. So, one thing we didn't talk about with Loretta's, you know, and since I actually got to ride at that one, I got to see the track a little bit more. Hell yeah, you did. Tell me about it. They we raced on Saturday in in ahead of the ATVs, which is something that people, you know, people beg for forever, right? You know, they they everybody wants to race before the before the quads, and uh, I didn't like it. Perfect. I, I I hate to say that. I mean, and I'm sure people, all these freaking old school guys on KTM talk that like cutting down their bars and banging into trees the whole time they ride probably won't really dig it. But man, I I kind of prefer the tracks. Just I don't I don't need a highway through the woods. Like I you know some tight stuff every now and then. But you know, I kind of like it when the quads go first. Yes. <laughs> and I and I talked to a lot of guys. You know, that race, the afternoon race, that even mentioned that they felt like the track ended up being rougher because it didn't get packed down it stayed so soft and then you know with the amount of bikes right. that we have at a GNCC that the, the the track ended up beating them up more than than they would expect if the ATVs had been there because it didn't get didn't get packed down at all um so I, I don't know I thought that was kind of kind of interesting you know sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for right you know heck yes yeah. no I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because that is a that is definitely a point. I remember I had that conversation with Barry Hawk, and he talked about how he's tried to you know go back and forth and try to figure out a way to, as you say, you know, make people happy. What are they asking for? Things like that. So, oh, we want more single track. We want to we want to have less highway, as you, you know, as you actually put it very well. But I don't think people. Because of the fact that if you race in Duros and you go to a GNCC, absolutely, it's like it feels like a highway. It's not a double track. It is. It's a highway because these guys—they're not just one quad going through the exact same, you know, lane every time. They're blowing that trail out. They're picking other lines. So I mean, once the quads go through, they really do kind of push everything to the sides. But you know, so if you were to just to go on like a full wheeling trail. It might be different, and it might not be as wide. But, yeah, I mean, what I heard about all the trail on Saturday was that all the virgin trail they built was, like, super tight. Like, Jen Kenyon told me she had a lot of trouble getting through there. How would you say that the virgin trail was? 
there was there was some super tight stuff. There was one little real tight section, but I mean, that was the only thing where you kind of had to wiggle your bars through. So I don't know. Jen's Jen's raced a little bit more motocross. You know, I've done a more off road in the last five years, so I I've kind of seen a little bit more maybe than she has. So my opinion might be a little bit different, but I didn't think it was super super tight. But it was just hard to pass out there and. Uh, you know that was the thing that I really noticed, and you know, Rod, we you know we did the vendor challenge, and we started on the very last row. Yeah, and I'm not really that fast, but there were some riders in front of us that were a good bit slower, slower than me. Than y'all. <laughs> and, and I'd say the speed disparity is pretty close to what the pros would run into against a B rider or an A rider. You know, like so you you, you run into some people going a fair bit slower than you and then you try and figure out what the heck you're going to do to get around them you know I wasn't racing for money so I didn't really care and I just kind of bide my time back there waiting but I can only imagine that they had a tough time getting around in in some places where you know where there would have been at least a quad width wide to go around so yeah that that was kind of interesting you know and I feel like maybe that track kind of suited Paul Wibley anyway yeah. You know, he ended up winning and all the drama and everything aside with the start and everything, I think maybe he I think he probably would have won if Caleb would have whole shot. I don't know. I mean that track reminded me a lot I've only ever ridden one OMA, but it re- reminded me a lot more of like what an OMA would be like because obviously that they don't race the they don't race the ATVs there first. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was a lot tighter, a lot more single like more single track ish stuff and you know, obviously Paul does fairly well at those things, right, so yeah. <laughs> I think it, it might have been a little bit closer. So, uh. well, um, with the with the assurgence of the J Day Off Road Program uh, or series, do you think that you know the way that the trail was on Saturday might have resembled one of those? Obviously, we've just seen it through videos. But I wanted to know what you thought about that. I mean, obviously, it looks like the width of you know some of the the more blown out ATV stuff, but without the 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 packing that you're talking about, you know, once thousands and thousands and thousands of ATVs go over the exact same terrain, you know. But so if the the earth is still kind of nice and tilled, you know, would that you think that that's kind of maybe why the J Day Off Road is kind of taken off? Uh no, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the quad thing. I think the J Day stuff's taken off because it's spectator friendly and the races are shorter. So it's, you know, I think that, personally that's what that's what would entice me is racing for a half an hour and then getting a break and then getting to do it again because I'm old and fat and out of shape. Those tracks get freaking gnarly from the looks of yeah. it. They get super rough and it's super, they got a lot of sand and stuff up there. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I've never raced one, so I don't want to comment too much so on it. But go to? in my opinion, what makes those things good is the is the length of the track and you know spectator and media friendly and and uh, the the track layouts look like they're a lot of fun too. A good mixture, you know, some moto stuff and but the shorter format would would be nice. You don't have to be out there for a couple hours. Yeah. So which one are we gonna go race? Which one? Dude, I wanted to go up to one so bad this year, and I just wasn't able to make it make it happen. That's a long, long haul up there. Yeah. So I, John Day was asking me to come shoot some video, and I told him I'd love to come up. But if I'm coming, I'm riding. I'm not driving all that way just to shoot yeah. video. That's for sure. You so can pay me to be in here, but that's not what I want to do. the next year, I don't know. Yeah, I think we should figure it out. Uh, I'll I'd tell you that I'd shoot video, but I won't because I want to ride too because it looks awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Besides, I don't shoot video like you do, so it doesn't really matter. Nothing. Yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I shoot that way. Is that good? That's okay. All right. So, Jason Hooper, we're at the point now where I want to know what's coming up. What's what are you looking forward to? Are you looking forward to next year racing? Are you looking the next, you know, to the races next year? Are you looking forward to tomorrow? You know, what is what is Jason Hooper looking forward to? I'm looking forward to some time off. Tell us. I I don't I don't I want I want maybe in doing some riding myself. You know, that's it's kind of it's kind of nice to have an off weekend where I can load my bike up and go ride. And I'm going to do that this weekend with my buddy up in Asheville. So I'm pumped on that. Yeah, I, I've just been I've been on the been on the grind for so long, dude. It's just I'm pretty worn out. I've I've I don't know, just so much stuff. So I kind of nice to just recharge the batteries because I still love what I do and I love going to the races, but I don't think I've ever been this glad for a season to be over. So <laughs> yeah, I, I you saw I posted it the other day on on uh, on Facebook. You know, thirteen GNCCs, and it's for me. You know. I have to shoot the I shoot the ATVs too, so that's like twenty six separate races, nine national enduros. We did the six days. You know, it's a, it's been a it's been a pretty pretty busy year, and obviously I, I don't get to just twiddle my thumbs when I'm at home during the week. So yeah, I, I'm not not looking for any sympathy or anything like that because all the guys that race all those series and work nine to fives and or eight to sevens or whatever <laughs> they've got it probably rougher than I do. But man, I'm stoked to just hang out at home and. You know, go out and see my family for Thanksgiving and stuff like that, and just—I'm sure by the middle of December, I'm going to be wishing I was going to a race. But I just want a break, dude. That's all I'm looking forward to. Hell yeah, dude! Well, we're looking forward to making sure that you get it. I am actually—I was supposed to race the Red River Enduro, or I'm supposed to work the Red River Enduro this coming up weekend for TSEC. But I think I'm just going to show up and race. I typically work that race just because i like to drink beer I like to hang out at red river it's a tough property they put on a really hard race but uh mainly because that way i can get points for all the series but i haven't been racing this year i've been doing more media shit and hanging out and goofing off i'm like f it i'm gonna go race and goof off and then after that i think it's some toro going on for round two so i think i'm gonna be doing some racing man dude that's awesome Interesting. i was pumped to, to race at loretta's it's been a while since i've I tried to race at Ironman, but it just didn't really quite work out. So yeah, you got like yeah, one man, lap in, right? It's fun. I forgot how much fun it can be. You know, they get out there, and that's why we all got into this stuff to begin with, right? Because we like riding and racing. So get back to it. It's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, dude, give us a. I, I, I unfortunately, I'll have to call myself out again. I fucked up. I did not get a chance to make a nice little lower third so that you look really professional as we say it. But Mr. Jason Hooper, uh, tell us who you're associated with and where we can find you on the internet. Well, you can find our website. It's just www.digitaloffroad.com or on Twitter at digitaloffroad, Instagram at digitaloffroad, uh, facebook.com slash digitaloffroad, youtube.com slash digioffroad. Digi! I don't know. I don't know why I did that you one. Just got, you, just, you got short but, with it, huh? Yeah, we're all over the place, man. I love it. Can't miss it. Well, I have a lot of fun. I go to... I go to uh, I go uh, to Digital Off-Road all the time and check it out just because of the fact that it's a really good place to get news. I can go watch all their videos, and then I can uh, embed them on my site. So that's fun, too. And if I was talking about yeah. my site, it would be Seat Time, which is seattime.co. All these shenanigans, that's where they're posted. We have YouTube stuff. we got all kinds of fun junk. If you were to follow us on Facebook, it would be facebook.com slash seat time. That is where we Facebook it really hard and make fun of all of our friends. 
And then on Twitter, where we like to tweet people as often as possible and maybe as hard as we can, it's SeatTime underscore CEO on Twitter. So we as well are all over the place. We are unfortunately nowhere near as famous as Mr. Jason Hooper and his site, digitaloffroad.com, but we're trying. We're having fun. We're goofing off. We might, we might, you know, one day have more than two followers. I don't know. Famous. Yep, that's it. Famous. All right, Mr. Jason Hooper, I'm going to leave the camera on you, and we're going to – you don't, we don't have any more beer, do you? Um, I'm empty, bro. Okay, but We can dink. There you go. All right. I appreciate the good time. Oh, that's a nice koozie, though. There was a drop. I'm going to switch koozies just so that way I look more official. Hold on. I'm fucking this up. I've had too many. I won't lie. All right, Jason. I appreciate your time. If nothing else, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Have fun out there, dude. And we'll see you soon. All right. We'll see you soon, eh? All right, sounds good. See ya.